It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to him, older than white. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. A little scorpions for you. Rocky like a hurricane here on a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush. That's right, I'm back. For your daily sports fix from 4 to 6 here on 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Joining me once again is Adam Lundy. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith, or just Coach Griff, either way. Mr. Brett Rump is with the Purdue-Fort Wayne Macedons, getting ready to call their game against Wright State tonight, which can be heard right here at 645 with a tip at 7 o'clock. Should be a good game for the Dons down there at Wright State. And... uh, Brett Rump will have all the play-by-play for us coming here tonight at 645. Joining us in the first hour today, we're going to have Ben Boudreaux coming on from the Fort Wayne Comets as they're coming off uh, a little bit of, I guess you call, an all-star break and getting ready to gear up for 3-3. Three and three. Uh, This weekend, we'll get a little bit of his insights coming up uh, in the show here in that first hour, as well as... Going to have Coach Allen on from the IU Hoosiers to talk a little bit about recruiting as well as the transfer portal, which, if you've watched lately, has been relatively friendly for the Hoosiers. They've picking, they have picked up some big commits, especially at the quarterback position here this last week. We'll get a chance to talk to Coach Allen and get his thoughts on that and some of the injuries, especially Dexter Williams, how he's coming out of his injury that he sustained there at the end of the year. But if you want to get involved today, now, Adam, I'm going to give the text line number here, 46862. Is that correct? You nailed it. All right. After <laughs> about seven or eight attempts, I finally memorized it here. And again, I was coming to you. <laughs> a little, little applause there. Uh, talking about rocking you like a hurricane. My goodness, we had a downpour here just a few minutes ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's like every time we we talked about this. Every time you come on the show, you yeah. bring you bring the bad weather with you. It's either blizzard, high wind warning. Um, this time, it's a severe thunderstorm warning in the middle of January. Uh, with possibility of snow tonight. Can you believe it? It's Indiana weather. Stick around. It will <laughs> change. But, yeah, we got a big show on tap today. Got Greg Rakestraw coming on as well here coming up in a few minutes. Talk a little bit about Colts head coaching search, which we will spend not too much time on. And we'll talk a little bit about the Colts draft picked order. More importantly, what are they going to do with the fourth pick overall? Are they going to move up? to get the quarterback they want. 
we'll get Greg Rickstraw's take on all that as he is pretty well immersed in all things Colts, and he'll give us some great insight there as well. But uh, tonight, Big Ten basketball, big Big Ten basketball night. You got the Hoosiers at Illinois tonight at 8.30 tip. Uh, that's a big one. Now, Luke Goody, the Homestead uh, basketball player that is at Illinois, he's been out better part of the year. He had a foot injury that required surgery, and I'm not sure they've given a timetable on when he's coming back. And quite honestly, I think they've missed his uh, shooting ability there for the fighting Illini. But the Hoosiers coming off a big win over Wisconsin, a win that they, I would say, desperately needed after that Penn State uh, debacle, if you want to call it that. But, man, they look good against Penn State. What did you think? Did you get a chance to watch some of the, or, or, excuse me, against Wisconsin? You had a chance to watch that? I had a chance to kind of watch the highlights and um – Basically, what they did against Wisconsin and that they didn't do against Penn State is that they turned up their defense. Exactly. And um, Brett and I kind of discussed that. We weren't sure exactly what happened in between the Penn State and the Wisconsin game, but it was like someone flipped a switch. I don't know what Mike Woodson said. Well, I would imagine we would not be able to air what (laughs) Coach Woodson probably said or... Uh, I don't want to use the word threaten or promised would be the better way of playing time to certain individuals if they didn't turn it up. But, man, they look good. Absolutely. I, I give them credit. They look good against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a ranked team. Now for them, it's important to carry forward, right? They've got to go on, you know, on the road tonight and take on an Illinois team. But they've kind of struggled here and there with uh, over the years, especially there. Um it's going to be a big game for them tonight uh, over in Illinois. 8.30 is the tip on that. Then you got Purdue at Minnesota uh, tonight. Always a tough environment to go play at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of throw their record. Al- now, I don't yeah. want to say throw their record away because Purdue's mm-hmm. a better team and Minnesota's the lowest in the Big Ten right now. But you, like, like I'm saying, you, it's, it is a hard place to go play on the road no matter, no matter the record. And uh, Purdue could... Uh, has to go in there ready to handle business like they showed it with every game in the Big Ten, and uh, I think they can pull out, pull out, you know, come out on top. But yeah, certainly, certainly a, a difficult place to go play on the road. Yeah, and you're right. They should, you know, Minnesota should. They should not struggle with the Minnesota team. I think they're one and five in the Big Ten, seven and Correct. nine, seven and nine overall. That game will tip on Wowo tonight uh, around six p.m. I believe is that yeah that yep, is pre-game, correct. Yep, pre pregame will start at six o'clock, and gotcha. uh, we'll have Purdue at Minnesota. That's on WoWo tonight. Yep, on WoWo tonight. But you know, Williams Arena is one of those places, basketball-wise, is I think a pretty neat environment to go play in. Uh, it can get loud at times, and while I think Purdue will come out on top of this one, uh, like you said, you you definitely don't want to go in there and take them lightly. No, because that's the type of team Minnesota is. They can sneak up and all of a sudden beat you uh, pretty quickly uh, if you're not uh, careful. Now, did you hear this one? Now, this is the I, I don't want to use the word scary, but concerning, I guess, would be the word. The Iowa at Northwestern game has been postponed tonight due to COVID. Yeah, I did hear about that. And- I guess Northwestern has... Three or four players that have tested positive for COVID. Yes, and uh, it has actually already been rescheduled. 
for for January 31st. Um, so last day of this month, they will uh, hopefully be able to get that game on the schedule, get that played. But yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that they had to do that uh, due to the uh, COVID restrictions. Well, you know, uh, I think we're beyond you know the hysteria that COVID has caused. And believe me, I am one to know that COVID is real, and it was no joke. As I contracted that way uh, to a couple years ago when it first came out when they do nothing about it so that was a little bit scary but it's concerning now because you're in that type of year and season where these things start rearing their ugly heads i guess you could say and when you see it happen in the big 10 you got to be a little concerned that it could become something of major concern all across the country but uh, glad that they were able to get that rescheduled. We hope that those players are on the road to recovery. Yeah. And uh, all things being said, uh, it's the only one that's really been affected. And, you know, Northwestern is just uh, just north of the large city of Chicago. Yeah. So, some you know, being in that urban environment could have a lot to do with it. Um, and hopefully, yeah, this is just an isolated incident and we can uh, move on from it and enjoy a full season of Big Ten basketball. <laughs> well, they're getting into it now as we get past the first of the year and they get rolling into the conference. It's going to heat up quite quickly with yeah. some big time games uh, for the Big Ten. NFL playoffs this weekend. Big weekend for NFL playoffs, couple games on Saturday and two on Sunday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second hour, but Jacksonville at Kansas City, that'll be an interesting contest. You yeah. got the Giants at Philadelphia, the Bengals at Buffalo. That will have a lot of sentimental as well as could be a great, great ball game up in Buffalo. That's a 3 o'clock kick on Sunday. I haven't seen the weather report for up there. I know this storm that's kind of going through here in certain areas is dropping a lot of snow. Uh, but um, that game will have a, a big emotional aspect to it as well, considering what happened a few weeks ago on a Saturday or Monday night football. Mm-hmm. So the, we'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, we've got the Cowboys at 49ers as well. A tradition-rich playoff game. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> um, over the years, as you can go back in time and see some of those uh, big moments of uh, of this game and how the outcome was basically decided in some respects on the last play of the game. So that's a big one. And then something we were talking beforehand was – this NFL quarterback carousel and what all we were talking yeah. about the number of uh, free agents that are going to be eligible uh, come that time of year, which we're in kind of now with um, free agency uh, starting here in a sh- uh, short period of time. But Tom Brady is the guy that if he's available which I just can't understand. I just I can't see him going on anymore um, with playing in this game. But you know, you got several teams out there that are in need of quarterbacks. You know, the Texans, the Colts. You know, we talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pan- Carolina yeah. Panthers, Vegas, of course, with Carr, and they kind of send him packing. <laughs> just starting up the carousel yeah. again. We're just yeah. getting it spinning. Yeah, <laughs> but you've got all these guys. I mean, and there are some good uh, free agents possibility out here, and one of them's in San Francisco. 
I like the Garoppolo guy, kid. Yeah. I, I say kid, but he's a grown man. But, uh, you know, what's going on there? Brock Purdy's kind of come on the scene. Uh, you know, they, you know, I, I think I would be willing to go after and sign him. How about you? Are we talking about signing Garoppolo? I would if I'm the Colts. I mean, I know that the Colts are going to probably go after a number one draft pick. That's no, I, I get that. Uh huh. And maybe turn the keys to the penthouse over to that draft pick. But if if I could get a, a Jimmy Garoppolo and groom, be somebody to groom that next QB, um, I might might try it if I'm the Colts. But that's me. Depen- I don't know. It depends on the price for me. Well, it's the price. It's the cap. It's all those things that come involved at this time of year. But, you know, we'll have that conversation a little bit with Greg Rakestraw here yeah. coming up, which will kind of shed some light on all that as well. Hey, Michigan football has had nothing but problems since yeah. the end of the year. Harbaugh's recruiting violations. Now, these are level one. Now, mm-hmm. these level one violations, when I was in the NCAA, level one Man, these this is where they can bring the hammer down on a program pretty pretty heavily, and um, there's been some deception on his part, I guess, from some of the reports that I was reading, and um, you know there was you know is Harbaugh staying? Is he leaving? They yeah. finally come out and said, hey, he's gonna you know I'm staying, but now they face this with the level one infraction. So mm-hmm. we're talking potentially him losing. Uh, games to suspension for himself. And then you have Matt Weiss put on leave for what they call computer access crimes. Now, yeah, I looked that up and that could be one of many things. So I don't want to sit here and overly speculate because no. one of them that's labeled as computer access crimes is hacking. You know, yeah. or or what they call uh, internet stalking. So um, we'll wait for that to all come out. But for the Michigan Wolverines to have the great year that they had, um, losing tightly in the in the playoffs, now to come out with all these issues and problems, uh, it cannot be uh, all too well with uh, Michigan athletics and the gold blue faithful out there because. Uh, there's some things coming down the pipe for them that I don't think they're going to like too well, but we'll have to send it out, set it out and see what all happens here. And, you know, the other thing, did you see, the, and then then we'll wrap up and get some of your top headlines for today, but this controversy with the NHL and, uh, and the Philadelphia Flyers last night. No, I didn't see that. Ian Propofoff, it was a gay pride jersey night in Philadelphia where they wore uh, symbolic jerseys to give you know uh support uh to that community and they wore them in just in pregame warm-ups it wasn't something that they wore the entire game mm-hmm. well uh this flyers player ian uh russian product said he wasn't going to wear one and he didn't so he did not participate in warm-ups because he said it violated his orth- uh, russian orthodox christian beliefs which are you know, uh, pretty standard uh, Christian beliefs in, mm-hmm. in in Russia as well as around the world. I'm not, I mean, to sit here and dissect what that all means. Right. Uh, he just doesn't, it does not believe in. Now, he said that 
It was for equality. It wasn't anything against them. That It just was him personally wasn't going to wear it, and they set out the game. Now he played, and there's been a multitude of uh, just Twitter attacks on on both sides of the issue. You know, here's the here's what I thought, and maybe I'm just being too logical. And sometimes logical is not the is not always the right answer in our world. But if you have this issue with the player, and you're doing this as an organization to show something for the city for which you play in, and you want to be inclusive, I get that. Uh, I'm not going to sit around and uh, say that's you know crosses the line or anything like that. But if you have a player that does not want to participate in it, then that's fine. You're not gonna you're not gonna <clears throat> do anything for him and his beliefs. But the easiest thing to do would have been just to scratch him for that night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, don't just play him. Make it a non-issue. Make it a non-issue. Don't play him. Don't even bring it to the table. And now they've got a situation. Where because the fact that you bring him out for the warmups without without wearing it, then he has to make well, comments the, on it. That's the thing. He wasn't in the warmups because he didn't right. go out with the team. They thought that would be a way to hide the situation. Right. But then he comes out and plays in the game. And so that leads to a multitude of questions to which he has to address. That's, afterwards. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if you leave him out of the game, he doesn't have to answer right. those comments. And he made a statement, which I respect and I think everyone should honor, but he was getting, and the Flyers organization were getting pretty, pretty big, uh, I guess you call Twitter bombs thrown at him today, all over the country. And to our friends up north in Canada, they were really speaked out about it. But sad situation for him and the Philadelphia Flyers, and how that's now become a big controversy there. And hopefully they can put it behind them. And move on and play play some hockey. But let's go to Adam Lundy and get some of the headlines from the sports world today. Adam? All right, let's do it. Got a little bit of an NFL flavor for today's top stories. The international games for the NFL in 2023 have been announced. The Chiefs and Patriots will play in Germany. And the Bills, Titans, and Jaguars will play in London. The Bills and Titans are the designated home teams for two games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium while the Jaguars will host a game at Wembley Stadium as part of their multi-year commitment to playing in the United Kingdom. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are shaking up their coaching staff after finishing with the only losing record Tom Brady has had in more than two decades as an NFL starter, they fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich and also announced that eight other staff members will not return next season, this kind of being seen as a desperate plea by the Buccaneers to try and keep Brady around. And the Colts on Thursday completed an interview with Jeff Saturday for the team's head coaching position. Saturday took over as the Colts' interim head coach November 7th after the team parted ways with Frank Reich. The Colts won Saturday's NFL head coaching debut over the Raiders in Week 10 before dropping their final seven games. And those are your top stories, Shannon. Well, that Byron Leftwich shakeup, that's pretty uh, shocking in considering that he was a head coaching candidate no more than a year ago, actually, I think, got the Jacksonville uh, job offered to him. And went, they, that ultimately went to Doug Moreau. But we're going to step aside here. Coming back, we'll have Greg Rakeshaw from the, from the ISC Sports Network and all his work with the Colts talking about quarterbacks and draft and coaching candidates. But for right now, we're going to step aside. This is the Sports Rush. 
here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Talk a little bit of Colts football and where they're at, not only with the head coaching search, but as well as possible draft picks as we turn our page on this past season. But joining us right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is Mr. Greg Rakestraw from the ISC Sports Network, where you where he hosts Colts Talk. And you can hear Greg after all Colts games during the post-game show for the Colts. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Coach. How are you? Good. I tell you, that's a pretty long intro there. All the different ISC Sports Network. I tell you, you are a busy man. You know, it, it's what keeps my, as, as you well know this, you know, being a longtime head coach, there's a lot of time spent away from the house and the family, and it's part of what has kept my marriage together now for almost 24 years <laughs> has been my absence from the relationship. Well, I'm uh, about 33, last five <laughs> years as a development fundraiser, which required me to travel. But, you know, as you know, I'm uh, I'm a free agent right now, and think the wife is getting a little tired of seeing me around the house because I think I'm retired. Now, she doesn't see it that way, but uh, hey, you got to make them happy, right? Understood, <laughs> and uh, you and I can have a separate conversation off air about you coming to work for the ISC Sports Network. <laughs> we'll do that, but let's talk some Colts. I'm sure you're uh, the number one topic. I just saw on the way in that uh, Jeff Saturday had completed his interview with the Colts. Um, I can't say that I would am surprised that they would not have interviewed him. However, I just can't imagine that he would be, I don't know, a top pick at this point. What What are your thoughts there? And then maybe we get some other candidates. It all depends on whom you ask. Um, if you ask Chris Bauer, I'll agree with you. If you ask Jim Irsay, he might be his top candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Shannon, I'm, I'm not surprised that Jeff got an interview. Um, I, I would also not be surprised if he was the final interview. In other words, like you bring in or at least request everyone that you want to talk to and save Jeff potentially for last, and then it is potentially okay, who is the best amongst the other candidates? And now... How does that person compare to Jeff Saturday? Mm-hmm. Again, because I think I think Jim Irsay's opinion of Jeff is not as recency biased by one in seven, one in eight, whatever the final tally ended up being uh, for Jeff during his time with the Indianapolis Colts. The Jim is thinking about the player from 1999 through 2011, the man in the community, et cetera, where I think most everybody else is like, hey, you can separate – Jeff as a player and goodwill ambassador and ring of honor member versus what you saw from Jeff as a head coach and almost a no win scenario that he was brought into as of Monday, November the 7th. So, right. um, if, if you ask Chris Ballard, he probably gives you some different answers. If you ask Jim Mercer, he might give you some different answers. And now we'll see exactly who is making that call over the course of the next few days. Well, yeah, you're correct. I mean, if you look at Jeff Saturday, nothing against Jeff. I think he's a, you know, he was a phenomenal player with the Colts, probably one of the best eras that you could say from the Indianapolis days. Um, And I, I would say to a certain extent you could erase that 
record based upon when he came in, kind of the mood of the situation, so forth and so on. And I, I guess you could say that, uh, you know, Chris Ballard is just basically with all these interviews, I think 11 in total has probably uh, put together a, a portfolio of each coach so that when he turns it into Jim Mersey, they can have a productive conversation about East pros and cons. And, you know, I look at that list, uh, Greg, and, you know, a couple guys step, you know, kind of. Uh, step out for me. I mean, Raheem Morris, the DC with the Rams, in my opinion, is a, a is a pretty good candidate based upon his history as well as um, you know what he brings to the table uh, as a potential head coach. Now he's not a youngin as they would call it, but he's young in terms of uh, coaching years. He's got forty six years under his belt, but he's been a head coach now. I think you'll agree that that will probably be used against him more than for him. But there's a difference between going from a position coach to sitting in that uh, that top chair at the end of the table. What 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 are your feelings on his candidacy, or what are you hearing from maybe some of your sources down there? Well, clearly, of the guys that are brought in, he has the most coaching experience. Uh, you know, having previously been a previously head coach, a very well respected you know, defensive coordinator. My thought is, is if they are going to go someone other than Jeff Saturday, it is likely going to be someone of the offensive variety. Mm -hmm. With the idea of at four, or if you feel the need to move up to get a quarterback that you specifically want, you want to pair that next player with more of an offensive-minded head coach. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just the way of the world these days in the National Football League. The offensive guys or the coaches with an offensive pedigree tend to win out over those of the defensive pedigree. Right. So, yes, Raheem's been a head coach, and yes, Raheem is as well thought of as any defense coordinator in football. But, again, to me, it's leaning more towards an offensive guy, again, if it's not going to be Jeff. I'm not sure I've got a favorite at this point, You know, whether it's mm-hmm. Eric Bieniemy, whether it's Shane Steichen. Both are guys who are going to be coaching for some time, and does that have an impact as to which direction the Colts are going to be going, who knows um, in, in terms of that job. But, again, I almost have two different groups of candidates. One, Jeff Saturday. Two, everybody else. <laughs> of the everybody else department, I tend to go, I would probably give the tiebreaker to someone that has more of an offensive lean than more of a defensive lean, even when it comes to Ricky Morris, with he of this group clearly has the most coaching experience. Right, right. And I and I agree with you in that regard because, um, you know, uh, the offensive-minded guys, you know, the stricken and um, uh, Ben uh, Johnson with the Lions, those guys, or even a Mike Kafka who's with the Giants, uh, having that offensive mind depending on what happens at the quarterback position. The one that I keep hearing uh, every year that comes out, and I and this is my opinion of him, then we can move on. Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, there are there are coaches. There's head coaches, our offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators that are destined to be head coaches. I think Eric Bieniemy is one of those guys that feels like he's a better offensive coordinator than he'd be a head coach. I've heard that from some people, um, and and once you kind of get. That rap, so to speak, it's, it's tough to kind of shed that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard some feedback that he has not interviewed well. 
Mm-hmm. You can take that for what you will. That could be somebody's agent putting that out there that has been competing <laughs> with Eric yeah. for jobs. So you're not quite sure what to believe. But at some point in time, when your name is mentioned in conjunction with so many head coaching jobs and you don't get one, people are almost looking for things that are two plus two to make them equal four. Right. And so kind of the rap gets out there that, well, there must be something going on because he's not gotten these jobs, maybe it's through no fault of his own. So, again, I, I, I think he is in the running, um, but I'm, I'm not sure there is a lead candidate of the pack to be bluntly honest with you. And, and even even if it is, again, I would lean towards Saturday. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a Democratic or a Republican primary race, <laughs> you know, where there's eight different candidates and the winner might have 27% of the popular vote. Right. That's kind of how I would hedge the chances of this field right now. Yeah, Shane. yeah, that's, that's a pretty good uh, analysis there of uh, kind of having too many uh, in, the, uh, in the pool can kind of take away from maybe others that would be a better uh, fit in that regard. Switching the table, because I know people are probably tired of talking about who the next head coach of the Colts may or may not be. But I think the interesting fact that's coming up is the draft and the Colts and what is needed. When you look at it, they have a number four pick. Um, I think it's all safe to say that they will probably be in the quarterback market. Um not only as a pick, uh, but I could see him dipping into free agency as well. What what do you kind of see with, you know, the Colts? They've got the fourth overall pick and some of the things at the quarterback position. Uh, they're going to have to shore up with this ball club. Sure. I, mean, I, I have leaned towards quarterback at fours because they have been so rarely in this position. And the last time they were in 2018 – they obviously thought they had a much more longer-term answer than one more year of Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, go out and truly get the best player available. And for those that think Quentin Nelson was a reach, even if he had a bad year by his standards this year, it wasn't a reach. He's been a really good player for them right. uh, for the better part of five years. And I thought he was absolutely what they needed at that time. Um, and so I had zero problem with that with that pick. But now clearly you are in need of the quarterback position. And even if I understand the moves that were made and, and I can, you know, easily explain and tip my cap towards the logic of why it was Phillip Rivers and then why it was Carson Wentz and then why it was Matt Ryan, at some point in time, man, that tire, you keep pad blow. And that thing exploded during the course of this season. Yeah. You yeah. need to go out and get your own guy. Now, am, am, am I football smart enough to sit here and tell you, it's, it's that, that Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, whatever, do I think those guys are Manning or Luck? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But do I think that potentially one of those guys could be your next quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, I think they could be. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's it's finding the right guy and then making the trade to go get your right guy. Mm-hmm. And frankly, to get the guy you want, I think that means you have to do a deal with the Bears. And you got to remember, there's a lot of connections between the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, yeah. In terms of front office personnel, head coach, et cetera, there will be an open dialogue and communication between those two staffs. The Colts also have something that I'm sure the Bears want, and that's guys that can help them immediately. Right. Um, I'm not opposed to training a Forrest Bucker to move up. Nothing against DeForest. He is great. He's been a great football player. He has been a great locker room guy. He is a wonderful person. He's also 
one year left on his deal. Right. Um, potentially do the same with Michael Pittman Jr. because he's got one year left on his deal. Potentially do the same with Jonathan Taylor because guess what? He's got one year left on his deal as well. If, if they would want to take a Shaquille Leonard off their hands, I'd make that move too. Right. In other words, you can offer the fourth pick. You can offer a first-round pick potentially next year. You can even offer players because even if you're just getting a draft pick back, you are also potentially getting the gift of cap space back mm-hmm. if you're the Indianapolis Colts to kind of go out and build this the way you'd like to. Yeah, they've got some definite options from trading up and that. The other team that you have to be consider, uh, maybe a little bit concerned of is the Houston, Texas, which I believe is also in front of the Colts. There, too. Yeah, and they're going to be in a need for a desperate quor- a quarterback as well. Right. So there's going to be a lot of things to keep your eye on, definitely. Um, and, and Shannon, that's Shannon, that's why I think they have to get to one because obviously the team yeah. in your division is not trading with you, um, right. and and they're going to take a quarterback. So you know, quarterback A or quarterback B is coming off the board of the Houston Texans. <laughs> you also think that likely the Cardinals are in front of you at three. They're not taking quarterback either, but they're going to move that to somebody who wants a quarterback. Right. So if you're the Colts and you're saying, "Hey, we want a quarterback," you can't just sit there and say, "Gee, golly, I hope we get our guy at four. No, no, no. You got to get to one. That that that's mm-hmm. how this works. And the thing is, they've got the draft capital and personnel capital to be able to do it. Yeah, and and kind of my uh, observation of this matter too is, and uh, I don't think C.J. Stroud, um, in my opinion, would have he would have been better staying another year at Ohio State than entering the draft. My opinion. But I don't think he's necessarily the answers for the Colts. Now, we can sit here and talk about Bryce Young because if you look at some of the quarterbacks that have come out of Alabama, they haven't been all that bad when it comes to NFL uh, opportunities. Uh, but, you know, what do you do in the meantime, too? Because I, I don't see you just turning over the keys to the Cadillac to maybe your first-round draft pick. That's just me. But... Um, do they go out and get a free agent quarterback to come in? It's funny that, you know, you got, you know, Jacoby Bursett sitting out there, possibility, you know, uh, I know that's a bad thing to bring up, but, you know, what he could do in the in between, uh, what are the 49ers going to do with Garoppolo? There's another talented quarterback, I think, that's out there. Um, so I think you got some options out there. What do you think? agency wise that would give you some time with the gentleman what whoever that first round quarterback if they take him uh would be they're playing their guy the first week okay there there is no there is no learning process it is um you learn by example trial by fire so if they're taking a guy at one or four however the machinations work that guy's going to play um i think they would keep elminger as the backup just because even though he is not a veteran, mm-hmm. he is a guy that is he's such a good football mind and so well-respected in the locker room. I think he's the backup, and I don't feel the young guy's ready. Sam is the guy that would go out there and get those snaps. Um, no, if, if, they're get, if they're getting a young guy, they're playing a young guy's point. So I don't, I don't think they're in the veteran market, and they're going to spend that money elsewhere. Well, then they're given the keys to the Cadillac to the incoming. So uh, I kind of like yep. that gamble as well. But I, I on the backside of it, I uh, I could see Ellinger being a, a good 
back up in that regime uh, that way because of the confidence that you that uh, I think they have in the kid. Um, but well, time will tell, Mr. Rakestraw, and I appreciate you giving of your time to join me here today on the Sports Rush. You know, for a retired guy, you're a pretty good substitute for radio host. Please give uh, Mr. Rupp my best. I will do that. Give me a call at any time. That's Greg Raystraw from ISC Sports Network and the Colts observations for next year here on the Sports Rush at 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, a Thursday edition. Remember, you can text us on the Parkview Sports Sports Medicine text line 46862. Maybe you have a question or two that you may want to ask Coach Boudreaux or head coach at IU Tom Allen in our next hour. But feel free to text us on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Big couple games coming up for the Comets here in the next few days after a all-star, I guess, break, you could call it. But joining us on the Masters and Heating uh, cooling hotline is the head coach of the Fort Wayne Comets, Ben Boudreaux. Ben, how are you doing today? Shannon, I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing well and a little bit better, and I think you're probably feeling a little bit better with the Condors and the Edmonton Oilers sending to us the, uh, Ryan Fenty and Samuel Dove McFalls. Um, I yeah, saw that on the traction transactions report the other day. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's funny what happens when you have an affiliate that uh, communicates, uh, you know, well, and uh, you know it, it, when you're watching stand things that are moving up top, like Evander Kane, he was out with that wrist injury long term, and when he made a return, that means guys are going to be sent down, and you know this is a product of uh, the the Oilers receiving Evander Kane back and the trickle down effect. So, you know, when our organization, uh, our our affiliate is healthy, uh, we we tend to see a few more bodies, and so that's a good thing right now. Well, I and in, and you need them uh, with some of the injuries that you've hap- have had happen over the last couple months. Uh, I want to put in a request from uh, Bakersfield to send Peters back down, please. Uh, if they're hearing yeah. it. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, Peter, Peters is a game changer. There's no question about that. And, uh, you know, the important thing for us is, um, you know, that he's played five games, which is what, what you need to, to get him into the playoffs. And so for us, we know that if, if we have an opportunity to compete in the playoffs and if we're healthy, we're going to be a really good team. And uh, even the recent success we had this past weekend, uh, you know, we did it without guys like Brew Baker, without Peters, without McIver, without Graves, without Giuliotti, without Burzan, without Bowdens, without Fanti, without <laughs> Doug McFalls. You know, and uh, at some point, you know, these guys will return. And, um, you know, one can only say on paper that should translate to, to having a stronger team. But uh, I think the positive thing is, um, you know, the focus is uh, the guys that were here, that were playing, five out of six on the weekend was a really good weekend. So really proud of the guys that are here right now. Absolutely. And you, I'm sure you maybe live by this motto, but I did in my coaching days. You cannot worry about who you do not have. You have to worry about who you got in the lineup because those are the most important players at the moment. So what about some of these uh, injuries? I know Winquist, uh, you know, he w- kind of went down there before the game on Sunday. What, uh, any timetable for him or? Yeah, Winquist will be back. It was, uh, 
you know, I don't want to speak on anybody's health, but it was yeah. a one-off. You know, he came down, fell ill right before the game, uh, and couldn't make it. So, you know, he's your leading scorer that you're counting on, and uh, you know, a, a freak kind of illness uh, took him out. So that was a little punch to the gut. But uh, we banded together and uh, yeah. still played a pretty good game. So Winkless will be back on Friday, and uh, Dove McFalls makes his. Uh, uh, return after a while, and Fanti uh, will look to get comfortable and get into a string of games here, so that'll be good. And, uh, you know, if, if I were to forecast, I think uh, we'll, we'll look to add one more player uh, before uh Well, yeah, I mean, you've had Bowden's out for quite, uh, quite a while, Stefano uh, as well. Uh, of course, Jacob Graves, we just got in a trade, and he injures his fa- finger. And he's been out. Any any date of return for any one of those guys, including McIver? Well, McIver went down uh, right before Christmas, uh, the week before Christmas, you know. And um, so so he's been uh, well uh, right about a month. Grave has been uh, just upcoming a month. Same with Giuliotti. So, I mean, uh, you know, and Bowden's is almost approaching two months now. Yeah. So, I mean, these have been long-term injuries, and we do expect them back. And, um, you know, it, it's tough to predict, I would say, week to week at this moment, which is a lot better diagnosis than month to month. So, uh, they're getting closer, uh, but I don't expect them this weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, coaches have great relationships with their trainers, and at least you're getting that report where it says week to week, like you said, and hopefully it'll be day to day. Uh, in the meantime, but uh, you know, I like. Uh, we are getting close. That's right. You know, we are, we are, we are getting close, and like I said, uh, you know, it's it's fun fun to think about. Is is wow? You know, what what kind of team could we could we have when everybody is healthy? And uh, I think the biggest thing is you're playing your most important uh, hockey games coming down the stretch. And if you got a healthy hockey team and you're winning hockey games, well, that's going to be the most important time of the season. So. That's what we're gearing up for right now is, is uh, the grind. The well, yeah, you mentioned the grind, and as you uh, approach January, even into February now, you're, it's not uncommon to see the uh, five, uh, four games in six nights or three and three. Uh, starting this week in all two back-to-back games, you have Kalamazoo at Kalamazoo, and then you come back and play Indy, who's leading the division, Kind of give us a, feed, a feel on those two games uh, coming up, Coach. Yeah, well, I know Kalamazoo is a really good team. We had, we had them the game before Christmas, and sometimes you get a road team that's not uh, physically or mentally in it, which is what what I thought we had. And Kalamazoo uh, really played hard and showed that they're a, a really good team. So um, for us, we we got to find a way to go uh, make our first trip into Kalamazoo all year. Um, wow. and, and have some really important divisional points. When you look at the standings, these guys were, were battling, competing with. So uh, January games mean a lot uh, for long-term in the standings. And then, um, you know, the fact that we are getting healthy, we are getting guys back in the lineup, Saturday night is going to be sold out inside the jungle. So uh, as far as the atmosphere goes, I'm expecting it to be one of the best and biggest crowds of the season uh, with the division-leading team coming in. And, you know, when you're healthy, you want to stop making excuses and you want to find a way to make an impact. So for us, that Saturday night inside the jungle in front of our own fans, that's going to be used as a measuring stick to see where we stand as a team. Yeah, and, you know, going back here, I, and you kind of made a the last time the, the jungle was uh, kind of so, well sold out, uh, Toledo came to town. 
and I know you don't want to dwell upon that game, but you made a comment that I thought, you know, I, I was talking to someone else that I kind of said the same thing, that you just felt like your guys played soft at times against Toledo. Um, and you need, you know, against a division rival in your own barn, that's what, as a coach, you don't want to see. You want to see guys revved up. Uh, how, is that is that an accurate assessment of kind of what you uh, said on that particular night? Yeah, I think so, Shannon. I mean, you know, one of the really important things for anybody that, uh, you know, occupies the, the job of the Fort Wayne Comets is to understand the history, um, you know, and what it means to be a Fort Wayne Comet and, and the type of hockey and the brand of hockey that the Comet fans come to expect. And, um, you know, when you put on that jersey, that's something that you got to live up to. And that's because the, the bar has been set so high from right. generations, you know, before us. And so that's, you know, that's what's expected when you sign a deal with the Fort Wayne Comets is to play a certain brand of hockey and an 8-2 loss in front of a home crowd with a, with a very unenthusiastic effort, you know, isn't a part of our, our identity or anything that uh, that we really preach. And so uh, having a response is, uh, you know, is a big, uh, big deal for us and, you know, be able to play the right way, play the common way, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is really important on all mice. Well, right, and let's clarify a few things. We're not talking about being uh, idiots and headhunters on the ice. You're just talking about taking the body when you need to take the body, whether it be in your own zone or in the offensive zone, and you have to get in the corners or in front of the net and battle it out. Uh, Those are the things I would assume that you're you're speaking of, uh, not to... Yeah, the the intangibles, the things that... That you can't teach, you know, uh, you know, making sure that you are going through the body and you're blocking shots and you're communicating and, you know, those, we, we talk about the intangibles, but, you know, one of the things I want to, I want to point out too, because he's been so important in our resurgence and I don't think he, he gets enough credit, especially as of late, but Dan Maggio's third tour of duty, one of the, the big things that he's done as a leader with, with the loss to Graves and Giuliotti as veterans, Dan has stepped up in the biggest way as right. far as being a vocal leader on and off the ice and then finding a way to lead by example. And I thought the best thing is we're down 2 nothing to Toledo on the road, you know, and they had their crowd into it in the first period. And Dan Maggio got in a fight, uh, you know, fought, fought, and, and I thought he really gave our team a boost. And we scored the next shift, and that's what started the comeback. And when you talk about playing the comeback way, the right way, that's, that's finding a way to turn uh, – uh, a crowd around and turn turn the team on momentum. And I think we need more of that on home ice and uh, leaders lead by example a lot of the times. And I thought Maj has been doing that as of late. Well, I we're going to continue to need more of it. Yeah, I had him down here to talk about because I know what he's brought to the table, not only in his previous stops here in Fort Wayne, but of late. And his play has been really uh, pretty darn good. Uh, for a guy that kind of took a couple years off and back at it. And and the other thing that he gives you uh, flexibility with is, you know, he's naturally a forward. Isn't that correct? He's played both, um, yeah. you know, but the one of the things that we talked about, uh, you know, because five, six years ago when I last coached Dan here in Fort Wayne, uh, we had him as a utility player where he would play the right wing and, and he would play defense, you know, sometimes it was period by period, and he'd be all over the place. But for him to, to find consistency, I think we've uh, we've eliminated the forward option and just kept him as a, <laughs> as a really smooth skating, 
uh, mobile D that's tough to play against. And so uh, right now he's hitting his group. And, he is. Uh, you know, he's being very consistent as of late. We knew that it would take a little bit of time to rediscover his touch. And uh, I think you're just seeing uh, him scratching the tip of the iceberg. So I'm excited for what's to come for Dan Maggio. Yeah, he's done well. And, I mean, we could sit here and talk about some other guys as well that have done pretty good uh, in the timetable that, uh, you know, you've had these injuries and stuff. But you have some big contests coming up. You got three big ones on the road at the end of January in Iowa for three games. And then in February, it looks like you're heading to Allen, Savannah, and South Carolina. So you're going to need healthy bodies. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, one big thing that you point out about uh, February is we're playing uh, out-of-division teams, right? That makes our divisional matchups uh, that, that coming up that much more important. They're four four-point swing games. So... Um, for us, the, the Savannah, Charleston, Atlanta, that's, that's an important stretch. Playing Allen three straight nights in a row, that's an important stretch. But uh, for us, we want to prioritize winning inside our own division because that's what makes the biggest impact in the standings. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I appreciate you jumping on here tonight. I don't know, la- uh, last week we tried to get you, but you were in the hills of uh, West Virginia on your way to Wheeling where the phone reception isn't always the greatest, but... Uh, great. Uh, best of luck this weekend, Saturday in the bar in our own barn, sellout crowd with the division leading Indiana uh, Indianapolis Fuel coming to town. But uh, good luck, Coach, and great talking to you. Appreciate it, Shannon. Have a great night. You too. That's Ben Boudreaux, the head head coach of the Comets, as they get ready to take on Kalamazoo this Friday and Saturday against the Indianapolis Fuel. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back. This is the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.